Damn, you're really connected to your teeth, aren't you? I don't know, I just can't bring myself to throw away body parts. <laughs> what a strange like... sentence out of context that would be. <laughs> Welcome back to Coven Collective. My name's Imogen. And I'm Siobhan. Um, also known as Bomb, so if you hear me yeah. say Bomb, that is who I'm referring to that is not a mysterious third person that's not talking. Yes, I've had an entire life of people struggling to say my name. Or spell it. it. Oh god, spelling's worse because it's Irish, so they just really went off the rails with that one. Yeah, like people think Welsh is bad, but Irish names are insane. Yeah, they're on par. Yeah. So I, yes, a, a lot of people call me Bomb instead, B-O-M. Yeah, like I, I just go, but please only call me Imogen. <laughs> <laughs> like there is nothing else acceptable. I will, yeah, yeah I will not associate with you if you call me anything. <laughs> yeah, so you are Bomb and I am Imogen. Yes, yes. we'll keep it that way. And or the, Siobhan, I don't really or know. Or my, my full name is fine, but people yeah. for some reason struggle. Um, um, so yes, this is our podcast where we talk about weird and wonderful things. So this week, we don't know what each other's topic is. We have taken it upon ourselves to research. We're into things like true crime, um, mysteries, supernatural, ghosts, uh, anything weird and wonderful. Yeah. Um, Like, we're we're kind of a bit fiends for it, really. Listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books. I don't really read true crime or anything that's not fiction, but I have a couple that are just choice. Like, I'll delve every now and then. Yeah. I definitely... I prefer podcasts nowadays because I really don't have the attention span to read. I find it I struggle to sit down and read a book nowadays. Yeah, no, me too. I would rather have uh, something playing in the background. I do a lot of drawing, yeah. so like I'll have something playing, whether it's YouTube or a podcast, and I will just like be smashing out people's pet portraits or doing yep. some fan art or I don't know drawing flowers who knows yep. yeah yeah it's always good that and uh cleaning the house always good for podcast listening I haven't tried that I usually blast k-pop <laughs> yeah K- k-pop stuff that's high energy my, my neighbors would <laughs> thank god I live in a house now and not a unit yep. I'm sure people hated me <laughs> okay okay cool 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 I um am gonna prefix this by saying if you know if you've heard of what I'm talking about because I was while I was doing my research I saw like BuzzFeed Unsolved to cover it and a few things uh, okay so if you have fucking heard about this I am going <laughs> to lose my shit so I'm going to be so <laughs> upset because I want your genuine what the fuck reactions I don't okay I really hope I haven't heard of it yeah now. I know because I didn't realize it was so widely known about I mean there are books about it and stuff but I only learned about it like a couple years ago and I the whole I was totally into it and I thought it was like this super like unknown mystery it was like the indie mystery but uh no BuzzFeed co- covered it so cool. yeah fuck I'm hyping yeah, it up and a... I bet everyone knows what it is I don't think Law has covered it. Unsolved and the Paranormal one, they have some cool stuff on there. I have uh, never watched it. I only watched um, the BuzzFeed Ghost one because you were like, dude. I forced you, you to. You forced me to. <laughs> and they're cute. They're funny. But I'm not. It's funny. It's, yeah, the two guys, one's a true believer, one's a true skeptic, and they go to haunted houses around LA and it's very entertaining. Yes, I would love to have a spin-off equivalent with you and me. Yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be so funny. Because, like, even when we did the ghost tour for your hen's night, I yeah. I had a moment where I was like, oh, was that something? And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun of it, That though, is the it? fun of it, though. Getting, like, spooked by yourself and then being like, oh, yeah. it's funny, it's in my head. 
Um, so what is it? I want to know. Okay, please. Oh my god, I misspelt it. I misspelt it somewhere in my own document, oh, no. like an idiot. I think it was autocorrect. I blame that. Um, so this is the uh, Dyatlov Pass incident. Have you heard of this? Maybe. Fuck. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I was like, I was, I was so psyched, and then today I was like, just like, I just need to finish this, and I I saw Buzzfeed did it, and I'm like, you bastards. Yeah, I've heard it on a few podcasts. But we can discuss theories at the end. Yeah, cause cool, because I wrote them all at the end, and I know what my favourite one is. But yeah, yeah the, cool. the, the, the Diatlov... Super interesting. Di- Diatlov? My God. Yeah, that, I think that's what it is. But yeah. It's it's we'll always hard to it. say stuff with the, the proper enunciation. Yeah. 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 Um, I can... Yeah, I'm usually okay, but East European stuff was like, oh, kill me. I'm going to just say it with the twang, and if I say it wrong, sorry. Okay, so it's the winter of 1959 in Mm -hmm. the northern Ural Mountains, which is in Soviet Russia. So we're talking Cold War era um, and space race as well. So Russia was like super into doing cool shit. So a group of 10 experienced skiers and hikers set out to trek the Ural Mountains and... One of the group turned back before they got very far into their trip, um, but of the nine that continued, none returned. So they all died in the pass. Yeah. Um, so it's this one's this one's really cool because I I hadn't heard of it, and then I heard of it all at once at all the same things. So like yeah. I think Citation Needed, which is a podcast my husband got me yeah. onto, did That's an episode. Yeah, so bloody funny. I, I was so offended when I first started listening to it, and then um, my sensibilities just eroded. Um, <laughs> and now I'm like, Eli's my favorite, and he's the most offensive. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Um, yeah, and then at the same time I was listening to that, my co-workers, my boss was talking about it. He was like, oh, I just ordered this book and it's about this thing and then my other co-worker got really excited and they were having a race to see who could read the book first and I was like yeah. oh this is so and they were talking the about the universe yeah yeah the universe was like you need to know about this because you love Russian shit and you used to be super into <laughs> conspiracy theories and mysteries yeah. and I totally bought into the conspiracy theories around this until oh, yeah. until I was researching this I was like oh my god that's totally it like that totally makes it and now I'm like no but <laughs> That usually happens. When I was 16, I thought people hadn't actually been to the moon. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I Somebody uh, put... So I had been exposed to the idea that man had never walked on the moon and that the moon landing had been faked, and I thought it was truth. I thought, I'm like, wow, they're totally right. Oh, my God. And then, That's crazy. And then, like, the moment I thought about it critically and was like, you should probably, like, look back into that. I was yeah. like, huh, you're an idiot. What a load of bullshit. Yeah, what a load of bullshit. Wow, you bl- And how many other dumb conspiracies do you... Fluoride in the water? Is that actually okay? Yeah. I'm not toxic? Not yeah. toxic? Wow. Yeah, I was an uh, impressionable teenager. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I never knew that. Thank God you did some research. Otherwise... Yeah, God, thank God I'm not an idiot or I'd be a flat earther right now. <laughs> thinking there's lizard people underground yeah um yeah so i i totally believed the conspiracies around this incident um yeah but then i did my research for this and i was like oh okay <laughs> yeah this is what happens when you actually look into shit probably 
Yeah. And you yeah. you read more than one thing. So so these for whatever reason, because God knows I would never do this, but um in me in my peak physical fitness, a <laughs> group of 10, 20 somethings who were all students at um I'm gonna try and say this university. Uh the Ural Oh, okay, it's not that hard. The Ural Polytechnical Institute, which I think was probably like a TAFE. It was like a specialty yep. school. Yeah. Right? Like it feels like it's sounds like a TAFE, a polytech. Um, so it was, well, I say they were 20-somethings as well, but one of them was like 39. Yeah, <laughs> like the outlier. The outlier. He was like somebody's divorced housemate that just got <laughs> invited. But this, What a shitty trip to get invited on. Yeah, I know. Um, his name was, so it was, the group was put together by uh, Igor Dayatlov, who is kind of the namesake of the past and the yeah. incident. Um, so he was 23-year-old radio engineering student from the Polytech. And he got his um, friends and, like, other students together and then this random 39-year-old. <laughs> oh, no, mm-hmm. sorry. He was 38. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how he knew them, but they were they all decided that they wanted to go on a hiking expedition because it was 1959 in the Soviet Union and apparently this is what you do for fun. What else are you going to do? What yeah. else are you going to do? Um, like, not everyone can be astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, our 38 year old's name was Samyun. Oh my god, I'm just going to say his name was Samyun. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his cool. last name. I have it here, it's not happening. That, that works for me, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, and then the other members of the group were three guys named Yuri. <laughs> Must be. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Three guys named Yuri. Well, Semyon actually went by Alexander, but there was already an Alexander. So they, they prefaced Jeez. it by saying his actual name was Semyon. So I'm just calling him that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Three guys named Yuri. So it must have been like the year for it. You know how like there's a lot yeah. of Sarah's or Emily's, yeah. Jessica's, you know, generic white girl names. It must have been the year for Yuri's. Um, Apparently. Three guys named Yuri. Uh, there was... It was, bear with me, it's spelled L-Y-U-D-M-I-L-A. I'm just going to call it Ludmilla? Ludmilla? I'm not sure. Let's call it Lou. Okay. Uh, so three guys named Yuri, Lou, Zenaida, Alexander, Rustam, and Nikolai as well. As well as Igor and uh, uh, Semyon. Um, so the group. So it's eight men and two women, and they're not amateurs. They want to go on a hiking ex- and skiing expedition, but they're um, already quite experienced. This is actually, like, considered a sport. Um, so, like, Eagle was actually part of a club, a sport club, that this was something that they did <laughs> as mm-hmm. their sport. It wasn't, like... Let's do a swim team or go cycling. It's so like, it's, let's climb. it's more like cross-country Kind skiing. of, yeah. It's cross-country skiing, yeah. essentially, um, and doing it rough. So yeah. they um, they all were certified too. Like there's levels. Like you yeah. know when you go to a walking trail and it says like this is level three. Um, yeah, yeah. And it tells you difficulty. They there was only three levels at the time. They were certified too, and doing the pass, uh, doing this expedition would make them certified three, um, which was the highest that they could be because it was quite difficult. It was meant to be expert level, and they. They were like, yeah, ready to advance to this expert level of hiking, um, because that's. So they're pretty experienced. They're pretty experienced. They were yeah. they were pretty ready to do this, like. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was meant to be a pretty difficult hike. Like it it wasn't yeah. it wasn't meant to be no chump, uh, vault through the valley. Like it was. 
yeah, it was winter. It was a challenge, and it was winter they were doing it in because they were also skiing. Um, yeah. and like, think about it. It's winter here in Australia, and we live in Queensland, which is kind of subtropical. So we're very sooky about so it. So we're very sooky about it, but we're also spoilt brats who it doesn't really get that cold. Um, Not really. No. When it's, it's, I'm, I'm super rugged up right now and it's probably like maybe 16 degrees Celsius. Yeah, I've got my Ugg boots on. Yeah, I got yeah. socks, which is a miracle for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, so these guys are going out in Russia in winter to ski for like weeks. <laughs> Like it's not Just a quick the trip. Worst time. Yeah. God. So they they and they're not doing it with, um, you know, satellite phones and GPS or, uh, synthetic fibers that are created for heat yeah. retention. You know, they're they're just doing it with like treated canvas and feather dowel and stuff. Um, and a map. And a map. And uh, we God hope a compass. I don't know. I didn't read anything <laughs> that said exactly what their like what their, um, inventory was. Yeah, I didn't read anywhere about that because I was like, that's not important. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you'd think they had a compass. Uh, but, I mean, that being said, like, this was also smart kids. Um, Eagle had, actually, because we, it's the uh, Deathlov pass incident, I'm going to call him Deathlov. Deathlov had um, a, he had actually made, like, a stove for inside the tent. Like, he'd made it, like, it had, like, an external exhaust and it could be packed down and taken with them. Like, he had, like, made this custom-built iron stove that could cook dinner and keep the tent warm. Pretty pretty clever guy. Yeah, so that, that was pretty cool. So, like, I mean, that at least made shit bearable and it meant they had yeah. some heating. Um, and in, a warm meal. And, and a warm meal and things like that. So, like, yeah, no, they, they were still trying to be as comfortable as possible and as smart as possible about this. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. it's still... It's, freaking crazy it's just a hard ass trip to make what's really cool about all this though is that these kids kept journals so they had yeah. diaries of all their stuff and they had cameras um they had cameras with them and it, which is pretty amazing considering you know the technology at the time i know they, it's yeah. it's really weird when i think of cameras pre-19 like 60s polaroid i think of i still think of like cameras with a flash bulb on a tripod yeah <laughs> <laughs> like putting putting your head under the towel yes no joke that's what i thought it was until this very second when i was you, you were like wow that's actually pretty great when you think of it and i'm like oh my god no, the cameras would have probably still been portable and that not would be massive, like a brick, probably. Probably, yeah. But I mean, they had it, so that was cool. Like, they're still kids; they're still like twenty somethings, and the one random thirty-eight-year-olds. <laughs> um, and but like, you can see photos of them from the trip. Like, yeah. if you if you look it up, um, and you go to Google Images or like any website, really, you can see all their photos of their travels. So they took photos of themselves when they were. So they went by train to a settlement and then uh, from there by truck and then sled. And they took photos all along the way. And they like, it's really sad because they're all smiling yeah, really sweet and like photos. really sweet kids. And they look like they're having a great time. And it's like, oh, you're all going to die. <laughs> I know. I'll put some photos up on our Instagram too so you guys can check them out. Yeah, well. that's a great idea. I mean, be careful when you Google this though, especially if you're squeamish. It's not too bad because it's all black and white. Um, uh, don't worry. But all the... I, I see surgeries all the time. Oh, so yeah, good worry. point. Um, more more viewer discretion. Yes. Yes, because well, Bob, you're the, the only person that matters. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. 
I know. It's all about me. <laughs> it's all about you. You and your your ability to take gore. It's actually We're not really gore. bad, but um the yeah. the photos from the initial investigation where they discovered the bodies are available online and they come up when you Google it. It's not yeah. so bad, but you know, like to some people it can be pretty confronting. So like, yeah, just yeah. be a little careful when you Google that. Um so one of the Yuris out of our three Yuris, one of them actually had to turn back. Uh, he turned back on the 28th of January and um, he had like some pre-existing health conditions and he was complaining about like having a, a pain in his ankle, a weak ankle, and he was just having a hard time continuing the trek. So he actually had to go back and yep. there are photos from when he had to leave and he's saying goodbye to his friends and it's... Mm, that's sad. Yeah, I know. Um, makes me a little sad. He's the only one of the group that survived and he lived to be 75 or something. Fun fact. God, imagine the guilt he probably felt. Yeah, a bit of survivor's guilt on that one. Needs some, um, yeah. hopefully, uh, Soviet-era Russian men were super into therapy. <laughs> <laughs> might have might have needed a little bit, just a tiny bit, because um, he left on the 28th and it is... Uh, I think they said the 1st or 2nd of February is when everything happened. So just a yeah. couple of days later. Yeah. Um, so he left and then the our hiking group uh, arrived at the foot of a mountain and uh, began to make their way up a pass at it. So they hadn't intended to be there. They were trying to get to a specific mountain in the region, but the weather was really rubbish. Um and they got a bit off track. I think they ended up going too far west. And so they ended up on the other side of a mountain they didn't want to be on to get where they yep. were going. Um, so they decided to climb the mountain. They were intending to cross it, most likely. Like, actually go to the peak and then get down the other side. Um, yep. But, yeah, the, the weather was just horrific. So they managed to get up through the pass and on top of this mountain. And then they made camp. So... Uh, this mountain actually didn't have an official, like, officially classified name. Uh, neither did mm -hmm. the pass, which is probably why it's referred to as the Death Love Pass. Death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was referred to by the, was it the native Mansi people of the region um, actually called this mountain Dead Mountain. Ugh, if that's, that's not foreboding. a little bit foreboding. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure why. There's not like it's uh, super avalanche prone or dangerous particularly, but um, and there wasn't much information out there about why it was referred to as Dead Mountain, but they called it Dead Mountain. Um, yeah. They ended up making camp on the slope of the mountain, um, either because they didn't want to turn back and lose the progress that they made, or maybe they wanted to practice making camp on a slope. It's not exactly the most comfortable thing, <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah, but maybe they were just, you know, they just needed a place and they're used to the those conditions and they were right with it yeah it could just be that they were like man this will do yeah <laughs> i'm fucking tired and the weather's really bad yeah. let's just go here this i can imagine that happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so the weather sucked they couldn't see shit um and they set up their cozy little tent um and this is where shit gets crazy so it's mm. either february 1st or february 2nd they're not really sure that that kind of like all this stuff goes down but um before leaving uh Dyslov, told his sport group what was going on and uh, that he would send them a telegram when he got back to civilization. Yep. And 
buy, which is like, you know, standard fare if you're a hiker or do. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, or do anything remote, cross country skiing, that sort of thing. Anything that can keep you isolated, that's a good idea, obviously, yeah. to be like, hey, dude, I'm doing this thing. Just a heads up, even, I'll check in at this yeah. date. Even nowadays, if people are going on bushwalks in particular, people, you know, you let them know where you're going and where you're going to be because it's. You never know what's going to happen. You could break your ankle and be stuck there. Yeah, well, people will die in the bush. They, like, slip off the tracks. And, All the time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not uncommon. And it can be, especially if they're on, they're off trail or they're on um, yep. incredibly isolated trails. It can, some, sometimes bodies just aren't found. Like, there's missing people that they're pretty sure just died in the, like, died while hiking in the bush. Yeah. They had an accident somewhere and they just, it's too difficult to find them exactly yeah so it's always a good idea with that sort of shit like i'm an experienced hiker and i know what i'm doing uh (laughs) it's always a good idea to be like hey dude i'm gonna be here yeah you never know what's gonna happen yeah um or where you won't be able to get phone service um yeah but yeah after he didn't check in and no one else checked in with anyone obviously you know that was a concern so like february 20th the sports group contacted people and a search party was put together Mm-hmm. Um, to like to find them and and see what happened. Um, so officials found the campsite pretty quickly on the mountain, and they found it in complete disarray. Um, there were clothes and belongings scattered around, including shoes and jackets and things that you kind of would want. And the tent yep. was shredded up. Um, yeah, it looked like the tent had been slashed open from the inside. inside. Yes, that's what they say, yeah. Yeah, which is a pretty um, weird thing. It's a pretty crazy thing. It means that they were in the tent and suddenly had to be outside the tent quicker than they could get out of it. So they cut it open. Yeah. Yeah. They found footprints um, that indicated that the people walking had not been wearing shoes or socks. Which is just insane. That is absolutely insane because, just reminder, this is Russia in winter. So we're yeah. talking like um, minus, what did I, I converted it from Fahrenheit. We're talking like minus 30 degrees Celsius. So just crazy, you get frostbite in minutes. Yeah, so. you like, fuck that noise. <laughs> if yeah. it's like 10 degrees, I'm, I'm crying and I need a hot water bottle and all my dogs <laughs> and every scarf I own. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think I you've been in, you went to New Zealand in winter. I went to Japan in winter. Like, mm. I went to um, oh, the North Pole in winter. That was bloody cold. Oh shit! Yeah, you went to like Alaska and shit, didn't you? Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that was the coldest place. Oh but as God. long as you got layers on, it's all right. And yes, you have you know socks and shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, socks you're and fine. shoes, and you're not walking around in the snow in minus yeah. thirty without those w- things. Didn't. Didn't they find some of them they didn't have any clothes at all? Yeah. So the first two bodies they found, um, they followed the footprints. It led to a forest at the base of the mountain, like some woods. Um, and yeah, the first two bodies they found were two of the Yuris, the two remaining mm. Yuris, and they were in their underwear. Yeah. Like the dudes had obviously died from hypothermia. Um, but yeah, like they were... One one of them was in uh, his underwear. Another one, like, they, neither of them had jackets. They didn't have shoes on. They were huddled together, like, face down in the snow. And there was a little um, campfire nearby as well. Or, like, you yeah. know, the site of a campfire anyway. So they'd obviously been trying to keep warm. But, yeah, so yeah. The, these two dudes amongst, you know, our group had left the tent with no clothes. Which in, defies logic. It defies logic. Absolutely defies logic. Um 
So that that's the first crazy thing. Uh, the next three bodies were found heading back towards the direction of the camp. Um, mm -hmm. So these were the bodies of our namesake, Dyatlov, um, uh, Zinada, and Rustem. Zinadia? Zinadia and Rustem. Um, yep. So one of our women and our, our namesake and one of our other guys. Um, so these three had also died of hypothermia and they were noticeably more dressed than the Yuris. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they weren't really dressed for minus 30 degrees, but they still had, like, more clothing on than the Yuris did. Um, And they were found in, like, various... They weren't found all together. They were kind of... It looked like, you know, they had maybe Dropped stopped. One one. Yeah. They had maybe yeah. stopped on their way back. It had just been too extreme weather. Um, and just, yeah, succumbed to hypothermia and died. Um, yeah. So the last four bodies weren't found for another two months. Um, yeah. so these bodies were buried under snow in a ravine, which is how they, the reason why they weren't found, they'd been snowed on and they were in like a, a recess. Um, mm -hmm. and it was actually in the opposite direction of the camp and the Yuris. So they were on the other side of the Yuris. And, uh, this whole situation, it's, it's so baffling. It's, it's really, this is why it's so juicy. This is why it's so crazy. Cause it's like, so first we've established, uh, tents has been evacuated quickly um, they have then decided to proceed away from their campsite without their shoes. And some of the things that I read, um, all clothes in the case of the Yuris, yeah. some of the things that I read said that the footsteps that they followed didn't look like they're in a panic. But I also... Really? Yeah. But How the, could you judge that? The weather was meant to be pretty horrible, so it could also be that they were fighting the wind and maybe walking slowly. Yeah. Like, they yeah. were... That maybe they just weren't able to move quickly. Yeah. And that could be it. Because, like, when people are panicked, they, they run all around and they, like, go in weird directions and stuff. And I don't know. But it yeah. seemed to indicate they weren't panicking. But for whatever reason, they had to leave their tent. I, I think it's more likely they were just fighting the, fighting the weather. And But, yeah, these, these the other four were in a ravine in the opposite direction. So three, two died by a campfire. Three died on their way back to the tent. The other four died in a in a crevice crevasse yeah and the crazy thing and this is what people kind of really cling to as well is that they had suffered like seemingly inexplicable injuries rather than die of hypothermia um yeah. well actually so like they've been beaten yeah um well there's actually mm, they had they one of them did die of hypothermia <laughs> the others yeah. succumbed to their injuries one just died of hypothermia um so it they were Nikolai had a fatal head fracture, mm -hmm. so fallen on his head and died almost immediately, um, or had something done to his head, been hit, had some sort of impact, whatever. Um, then uh, Lou, the young woman whose name I unfortunately cannot say, and <laughs> Samyon, our thirty-nine-year-old, uh, both suffered injuries that were likened to being hit by a car. How? What yeah. did that? <laughs> They, yeah, it's people have theories, and some of them are whack. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they like they a yeti. They <laughs> they had um. I swear to God, there's probably people that do think it's a yeti. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, they they had um in, like internal trauma and broken ribs and internal bleeding and like yeah, it it was injuries that were accustomed to a high impact, right? And so. And what, one of the theories I know is like an avalanche, but obviously th that didn't occur because there wasn't, you know, the place wasn't covered 
in snow. So yeah, like there was the force of that maybe could have done it, but yeah, like you can be crushed by snow. That's yeah, yeah, like you can. That's a he- that's an incredible weight. Um, but they there was no sign of an avalanche. Yeah, and it's also that this area isn't recorded to have avalanches. Yeah, like it's there were no recorded avalanches before that and none after. So. So... so it sort of rules it out, essentially. Yeah, like, it would make sense, except for the fact there's no evidence. But yeah, so they, they had these insane, like, body traumas. Uh, also, both bodies, so both uh, Lou and uh, Samyun, uh were missing their eyes. Yeah. Their eyes were gone. So odd. Their eyes were gone. Um, and Lou had the worst of it. She was also missing her lips and her tongue. Um, hmm. And, like, it, some of that can be explained away by scavengers. Scavengers, and yeah. And I think I did see somewhere that, for, like, the, the coroner's report did attribute uh, at least the, like, external facial things, like the fact her lips were eaten off <laughs> um, to scavengers. But they were also meant to be buried, so I'm not sure really how that's... I don't know. It's not like foxes can't dig, though. Yeah. They're just like, oh, tasty but then human. Why, why was it only on some and not the others? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's a strange thing. But, I mean, also decomposition is a weird thing too. Yeah. Um, It could be because they were in a ravine that somewhere where running water is. It could be that uh, the water, because they were found two months later, temperatures are starting to cool. That's like mm. what, um, February they went missing, they were found uh, like april yeah yeah so that's starting to get into spring for russia so yeah it could be mate it could have been maybe they're exposed to running water and it it heightened decomposition yeah it it could be that that's the theory um but yeah their eyes were missing and and lou was missing bits off her face and um the group that were in the ravine had actually also all died at different times okay so this is evident from the fact that they were scavenging clothes off each other Ah. So, uh, like, clothing from the first victim could be found on someone else. And then, so probably Nikolai, they stole shit off. Um, Alexander, that was down there. He died of hy- He actually did die of hypothermia. He didn't have any external trauma. Yeah. Um, but Sam- Samian, who was the last survivor uh, out of the group who succumbed to his injuries last, considering he was one of the ones that had, like, the crush injuries... Um, he'd mm. scavenged clothes from nearly all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, including, like, Lou's so wool coat and hat. Like, he had... It, it seemed that they didn't have sufficient clothing. They were trying to keep themselves warm. So when one of them died, they tried to pass the clothes around to keep themselves warm enough to hang on. So, yeah, obviously the weather was so bad, they didn't know where they were going, so they had to stay still. Yeah, pretty much. And not to mention, like, they're separated from their friends and they're injured. Yeah. You don't want to, like, be get up and wandering around... And it's the middle of the night and it's freezing. So conserving yeah. energy is good too. Um, yeah. That's kind of where it all finishes up. They found it. Um, the Russian government kind of, again, this is one of those situations where I saw somewhere that the records for this had been sealed until the 90s. Odd. Yeah. Um, I think it's mostly just because that's just how communist governments work. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were not super keen on just, like, handing out information to the All public. The information. Yeah. Um, but honestly, they never came to, like, an official thing. It was just, like, they died. <laughs> they died. <laughs> we don't died. know. They died. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe an avalanche. Gonna... 
Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, like, at the beginning, some officials tried to say it was, like, the, the local um, uh, Indigenous people, but they're considered to be quite peaceful, and uh, none of their injuries were kind of really retaining to having fought another person. You yeah. know, like, another person can't make you look like you were hit by a car. Only a car can do that, or a car-like thing. Yeah. <laughs> a big, yeah. big thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where it all wraps up. And so apparently odd. they're reopening this. Oh. Yeah, apparently. They found some new evidence or something. No, but in, you know how science like works better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> science is <laughs> science does good better. <laughs> <laughs> but I, my strongest sort of theory, I think I think it has to do with hypothermia because they say that you know they get that sort of hysterical hypothermia when you reach the point where you start to believe that you're overheating and that, that then you undress and then you just try and get out. Yeah. And there's like the terminal burrowing thing where you try and, you know, go into a small space and burrow yourself away. But again, doesn't explain the traumatic injuries and why they were spread out sparsely. Um, yeah, it's just so many different components. If there was one aspect that was weird, it'd be fine. But altogether, it just makes no sense. Yeah, that's that's the kind of cool shit about it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the pedestrian theory that I read that was probably seems the most plausible out of it. Yeah. And then I will tell you the one that I like the best. <laughs> like, I mean, there's all stu- all kinds of stuff. Like, yeah, you've got the avalanche as a theory. Not that there was any evidence of an avalanche. Um, you've got hypothermia being a theory, but it doesn't explain everything. Uh, there's yeah. also the idea that maybe there was like an internal conflict and they all scattered because there was a fight, but like that's yeah. mm, not really much, especially since these were not dumb kids. These were like yeah. not only hikers; these were Russians, <laughs> yeah, who know what winter and, is like, and they're intelligent and you yeah, know, strong bond, obviously. So yeah. yeah, doesn't really fit in. Yeah. But yeah, I'll tell you the pedestrian theory and then I'll tell yeah. you my favorite theory. So. The one that I think is the most likely to be true um, is I I think I saw it on Unsolved on YouTube and I was like, holy fuck. I'm like, that yeah. makes complete sense. But yeah. it's the, – the idea was – and you know how I mentioned the stove earlier? Mm-hmm. There was – there was also burn marks on some of their clothes, right? Um, which a lot of people gloss over. They don't see it as super important. But they had a stove in a tent in a contained space. So poisoning? Yeah. So the idea is that maybe they were also drinking and eating um, at like three of – Three or four of these people were found to be have been like at levels of intoxication when they died. Yeah. Um, what might have happened is this stove maybe fell over, or the okay. embers tipped out, or they were trying to clean it out and the embers reignited. Mm-hmm. So you've got not just like hot embers on the floor of your tent, filling it. You've got them filling it up with smoke and steam. So you're not going to be so able to breathe properly. Yeah. And there was yeah. more than one slash mark on the tent. There was only one big enough for everyone to get out of, but there was more than one slash mark. So the yeah. this this person's theory was that uh, maybe there was an accident with the stove. Everyone was trying to fix it. While they were trying to fix it, some people were trying to create ventilation with the tent because I think these tents weren't exactly easy to open and close. There was probably lacing yeah. a lacing yeah. situation going on um, to try and close them up. So I think they were trying to make... Uh, they said they were trying to make ventilation with it. And then mm. when that didn't work, it got too hard to breathe or see. Smoke hurts, guys. It hurts your bloody eyes. Mm. Um, that That's they just... what people die from. They die from the smoke rather than the fire. Yeah, and it burns. 
Yeah. Like, it burns your throat. Like, ugh. Yeah. Um, so they, they probably slashed this tent open to escape. That does make sense. Yeah, so they've essentially released themselves into this cold, dark, bad weather. They're yep. not properly clothed, they're not drunk, the wind is horrific. They need to find shelter, they know there's woods nearby. Yeah. So they they get themselves as quick as they can to the woods. Maybe they think the woods are closer than they are. Maybe they mm-hmm. remember them being closer than they were um, because they were a bit far away to justify having gone to them, but they might have thought they were closer. So yeah. they get to the woods, they try to make a fire, they try to get themselves comfortable. The only bit that I don't particularly prescribe to is the idea that four that were in the ravine potentially mm-hmm. um actually fell into it so they went well, that makes sense yeah they were looking for firewood or they were looking for something who knows but they um you know it's dark it's impossible to see it's, it's possible that they fell into it um and had rocks and snow cascade down onto them which could have caused their crush injuries yep. nikolai died from a fatal head wound this ravine is essentially a river in spring and summer yeah yeah so it, it like that does explain it a little bit um yeah it, totally that's a really solid theory yeah and then the others just succumbed to hypothermia because yep. they couldn't find their way back to their tent in time for the effects of the cold to kind of yep. really and the, the four that were left in the ravine just died of their injuries um so that's that's the pedestrian theory um yeah, it, so it explains the burn marks on their clothes something that people like to fixate on as well is the fact that uh some of the clothing had radiation on it like you were saying the nuclear testing shit mm. Um, it, it turns out two of the guys that were on the expedition, 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 <laughs> <laughs> who were on the expedition actually had worked with, um, uranium and nuclear stuff before. Ah, uh, okay. And that stuff's not going to yeah, one was close anytime soon. One was classified. So, and the other one had like worked at a plant or something. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, he had actually, they, two of them had history working around radiation okay so it's and because it was only found on three or four items of clothing out of all of the stuff that they had and only on two people and there wasn't residual radiation in the area so that kind of like takes out the idea they were doing any sort of nuclear testing in the area um yeah now i'm going to tell you my fave theory my fave theory um so imagine that you're in the tent with your friends eating bacon and getting drunk on potato vodka and yeah, that some cheap of your, Russian vodka. yeah and some of your friends lost a bet and they're getting naked and you're like all having a great time because you're in your 20s and the one guy that's 38 you're drunk you're eating it's great and you hear an explosion you hear something yeah. out in the mountains out through the storm and maybe you hear it a couple more times mm. um and you're panicking and you cut your way out and you and your friends all make it as quick as you can to the woods the idea from this theory, you make it to the woods, uh, half the group dies from exposure because it is so fucking cold. The other, yep. the other half end up being close to a detonation, get, like, essentially chucked into the ravine from the force. Mm-hmm. And Nikolai dies from the impact, Alexander dies of hypothermia and manages to avoid the worst of it, and the other two suffer injuries that are similar to what you would suffer if you were near a bomb blast okay so the theory is that the russian government so the soviet government may have been using the area as a test site yeah um so it it could be that like that's what happened they just happened to be in this area as the soviet government was testing it and like two of the members of it were victims of 
um, the government's experiment, and that's why the government uh, like classified the documents until the nineties. Yeah. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to give an official reason because. But if you, were, I don't know. I think the threat of going out in the cold without your clothes on, like surely you would get dressed if you, even if you thought you were near a bomb, because you knew that there was a threat you would die if you didn't get dressed. You know. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I've done some dumb shit. Like. <laughs> So, but yeah, so like I, I've got... done some crazy shit. If it was me, I would have been like, "Fuck, there's noise!" I'm just like, <laughs> woof, 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 out. I'm out. Cut that. I'd be the person that cut the tent open. Yeah, well, to me, that that theory of the stove falling over sounds like the most. It sounds plausible. like the most plausible. There were burn marks. There was like evidence, like there's straight up photographs of his stove in the tent in use. Like, it's yeah. it, it seems like the most likely scenario that they fell into the ravine, died of their injuries, and the others died of hypothermia because the weather was so bad. I wonder if, did they do autopsies on them to see if there was any smoke in their lungs? There was like a post-mortem. I forgot what the word yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> there was a post-mortem, but um, I didn't, the, all I saw about it was just debunking like the other stuff. Yeah. It's just really sad, really. It is really sad because they were all really young. Yeah. And like, I now I've read that stove theory. It's like, oh, that t- makes total sense. I totally believed I honestly got I believe the concussive bomb, experimental bomb shit. Oh, well, we might find out more down the road then. Who yeah, knows? yeah, who knows? Now they've reopened it, we might get, like, official stuff. There's a memorial for them and everything, and obviously, like... Yeah, it's... with their pictures on it, yeah. Yeah, and obviously, like, it's important because, like, it's called the Death Love Pass now. Mm. Well, <laughs> this week, what did I do? Let me... You said it was something, it. some juicy true crime. If you lied, I would yes. be disappointed. Oh, uh, it's... I don't know how juicy it is, but I found it quite interesting. So, I think true crime is juicy. It's always juicy. Yeah. I don't, it's always just that the fascination behind how a person could do something like that to another person. I yeah. Think, how, how much of a monster can monsters be? <laughs> so this week I'm covering the murder of Susan Schwartz. Have you heard of her at all before? Susan Schwartz? No. I've... No? Oh. Okay, that's good. You, maybe know. as I say it, you might have heard of it. Maybe. Because, yeah, like, so, yeah, I listen to Case File and My Favourite Murder and things like that. So yeah, maybe it'll so pop up. Eventually they all sort of meld into one. Yeah, you don't really know until you're about halfway through yeah. and you're like, oh, fuck, I listened to this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so she uh, was a 24-year-old uh, woman who lived in Linwood, which is a, in Washington near Seattle. So this story takes place uh, on October the 22nd in 1979. Uh, Around 4pm that day, the sheriff got a phone call and it was a man on there. He was super frantic. Uh, He was saying, you know, my girlfriend's been attacked in her home. I think she's I think she's dead. You need to come over here right now and help me. So he was really frantic, really upset, didn't know what to do. So they when they came and found her, she was laying on the floor with her hands tied behind her back. Uh, and there was blood all around her head. So it was obviously it was clear that she was dead. So he was correct. Uh, so when they arrived, <clears throat> excuse me, when they arrived, they confirmed she was deceased and they obviously they confirmed it with the blood, but then they saw there was also 22 caliber shell casings around the body. So upon further inspections, they saw that there was three shots to her head. Ugh. So, and the thing is, it was execution style. So yeah, tied up, like yeah, yeah shot in the head. Horrific. That's yeah. And they'd also used a pillow to muffle the noise of killing. So 
Um, or there's a theory that it was also to protect the murderer from any like blood spatter evidence. If uh, they were yeah, true. Or the, like putting their hand on her face. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, I wonder how well that works. Because Andy, whenever... yeah, I'm gonna, Whenever I'm Andy gonna, kills someone. Whenever Andy kills someone, no. <laughs> when like ever Andy sees uh, a silencer in media, he's always like, that's not what silences sound like. Like yeah, apparently they don't like actually, they don't make much of a difference. They don't make too much of a difference. I think yeah. they they're meant to stop the sound carrying as far, and that's about it. It it, it appeared that she had been in the shower, um, and because she was naked when they found her, and they also found some blood that sort of had dripped on the bath and stuff when they inspected it. So, the theory was that the attacker took her by surprise when she was in the shower overpowered her bound and tied her with the white electrical cord that they actually cut from the hairdryer and then they used her bra as a gag and then laid her in the hallway and just shot her oh god pretty and you know i think i said she was 24 years old like a pretty horrific way to go um so they initially thought it might have been sexual assault because she was found naked but they didn't find any evidence of that um and they thought she was just naked because she was in the shower. Yeah. And there wasn't any signs of forced entry. The house was actually in an immaculate condition. Uh, they had a new carpet that had been vacuumed. She was actually pretty pedantic about keeping the house really tidy. So, wow, she's not it, like many 24-year-olds. Yeah, she's I know. definitely yeah. not like me, that's for sure. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> don't come to my house. You will yeah. 100% leave with dog hair in your mouth. Okay, so the carpet was actually so clean that they found two different size footprints that had sort of you know, when you step on carpet and it shifts it, so it leaves an imprint? Yeah. So mm-hmm. they, they found two different sized footprints on the carpet. Yeah. So then they developed this theory that two people were involved uh, in the attack. So uh, the main detective on the case was Ken Christensen, and he couldn't find any fingerprints or the firearm that was used to kill her. And at this time it was 1979, so DNA evidence wasn't a thing. You know, it wasn't used. That's so did... weird to me, but yeah, like it's I, crazy I know that, that it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, you would think you just feel like it's it's been a thing forever. No, it hasn't. It's so crazy. No, they used to just all. use blood type. Yeah, DNA wasn't used, but they still collected blood because obviously they anticipated that technology would get better. Uh, no neighbors actually heard any gunshots, but she lived in a pretty secluded area. Um, and they theorized that the pillow might have actually worked effectively to try and muffle the noise uh, and prevent it from carrying too far. Yeah. So they followed the train of thought that it was a pretty personal crime because obviously it was an intense murder, you know, dragging her out of the bath, tying her up, and then essentially executing her. So it was pretty foreign of a concept to those around her. They all described her as loving and generous and you know the type of person who would do anything for her friends so no one could think of any enemies she might have and the whole thing didn't make sense to anyone um she was friends with a woman named karen when they're in high school and in interviews she said um that susan was the only person she could count on and talked to often about problems things like marriage marriage problems that she had and she said that she lived a normal quiet life from all accounts yeah well i mean she's got a name like susan so i know yeah you would be like this is and she's clean and she's it's like the 70s a nice young girl yeah she's very like sounds pretty straight laced yeah i'm also typecasting by the fact she's called fucking susan i know we're really facing a lot of her life story yeah but i'm like when you say susan you 100 percent you think like 
button-down yeah, shirts and like yeah like she's yeah. wearing like a nice little little chain necklace and <laughs> <laughs> all the people named susan are like the fuck <laughs> sorry susan's out there if you're not like that um, you're telling me you so... don't wear your cross every day what are you doing how susan? dare you how dare you you don't What's get blowouts yeah <laughs> Uh, so she lived with her boyfriend of eight years, who was the one who found her. And all the friends and family said they had a loving relationship. They were trusting and caring of each other. And the police uh, said that he was actually the last person to see her live at 7 a.m. that morning. Mm. So one of the neighbors said that they went to Susan's house at about 9.45 and there was no answer at the door. So the neighbor turned away. But he did hear what he thought was the sound of an animal crying. Uh, but he you know, dismissed it and walked away. But police theorized that he might have actually heard the struggle of Susan being murdered, oh which my is really God. tragic. That is, yeah. yeah. And like I just said, I 100% heard a woman screaming and hoofed it out of my house. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if that and had then been me, it's you that can bet I would have kicked her door down. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I would have called but, animal welfare. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. There's the thing, it's like you... You know it's out of the ordinary, but when's that thing that tips you over into action? Because yeah, if that's you think it's true. just an animal crying, you know, you're not probably going to do anything. I, I say I would have called animal warfare, but I wouldn't have. I would have left yeah. a note on their car. Yeah, been like, <laughs> like yeah, oh, she they, hasn't. Yeah, they sounded sad. Maybe it's yeah. like just, yeah, letting you Let know they were just bit. like, yeah, crying and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so if she was actually killed before 10 a.m., then that conflicted with the story that her boyfriend had left the house earlier that day so um the police talked to his employer and they confirmed that he did arrive on time and he worked a full shift uh he was fully cooperative with the police and he was clearly distraught at the situation so eventually he was cleared and he helped the police with walkthroughs to identify if things were missing in the house and they yeah, so he was really helpful and they identified there was some technology and jewellery missing when they did the walkthrough. So the police's strongest theory was that a burglar went in the, to the house and was shocked by Susan being at home. They sort of panicked, tied her up and then shot her. So that was what they were going with. Jesus. And yeah, so it's a pretty strong reaction to a burglar. Yeah, being like, yeah, I, I know people that have been home or come across burglars and the usual reaction is the burglar runs yeah <laughs> yeah that's what like, you expect that's usually the the thing yeah you wouldn't i mean to be fair like we don't know the situation there's also yeah. there's definitely stories out there of being people being hurt or treated violently yeah um, and especially if they're on drugs at the time yes yep 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 you yep, never yep. know how they're gonna react and that's exactly it a bit of small town um ice yeah, yeah classic ice. <laughs> and, a classic ice, bit of mm-hmm. classic small town ice is going to definitely make that burglary a bit more violent. Ramp up the situation. Yeah, just a tiny bit. Yeah. So they had a walk around, talk to the neighbours, and one of the neighbours said that they saw a male walking down the road carrying a long cylindrical object close to the time of the murder. And they said that this could have been a VCR that was missing from Susan's house. So wait, they asked wait, him... Wait, you said cylindrical. Yeah. VCRs so, were cylinders? What? No, they they were rectangular, but you oh. know, maybe he just like misplaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they described. He was it like, as. it was round and like <laughs> it was it was square. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a VCR. 
Yeah. Uh, so he actually remembered well enough to put together a composite sketch with the artist. But he couldn't and... remember what a VCR looks like. <laughs> <laughs> you got to focus on the important things, all right? I am so, like, ch- like I, I freaked out for a second there because I thought I didn't know what technology was I nearly rocked like. your whole world. Yeah, I was like, holy fuck, did they, how the hell would that have not just rolled off your TV unit? Anyway. <laughs> and what would the VCR look like? A round yeah. thing? Yeah, okay, anyway. We digress. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Ricky Hartman was actually identified as the potential suspect from the sketch. Uh, he had burgled in the past and police tracked him down. So he did live near the crime scene and when questioned, he was cooperative and a search of his home didn't shop any of the items that were missing from Susan's. Okay. So they gave him a polygraph exam and he actually passed. And How? No I, I don't know if you know much about polygraphs, but I always thought they weren't exactly the most accurate thing. Not I know they reliable. were super no. relied on back in the day, but they yeah, can be so fake, they can be lied, you can lie, you can fake it, you can also have a bad I'm, reader, like a person doing it. Exactly. People have definitely cheated it before, and I believe it's not admissible in court, even when it, you know, back in the day when it was a new technology, wasn't admissible. And it's not at all reliable. Yeah, it so, was probably one of those things where it was just it gave them enough to keep going, like to like maybe it gave them enough to get a warrant to do something else. I don't to know. To then continue in the questioning and potentially yeah, scare hold them longer into, and yeah. yeah, exactly. I think that's probably part it was of just the a tactic because it. yeah, it seems like one of those things is like yeah, if I was a lawyer and someone came out with a polygraph and be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, if anyone asked me to do a polygraph, I straight up I'd be. No, never. never I would I would fuck every question, even if I was telling the truth. Yeah, I wouldn't know my own name. (laughs) (laughs) Spell Siobhan. Oh, God. (laughs) It's the hardest name to spell. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, they gave him a polygraph exam and he actually passed and there wasn't any other information or evidence to tie him to the crime, so they cleared him as a suspect. Um, So there were no other leads in the case that they were uncovered, so the case actually went cold. So more than 20 years passed by and then DNA evidence, obviously, it advances and um, they form a cold case, which then reopens her case. So when they were going through the case initially, they collected the cables, the shell casings, the hairdryer, pillowcase, bra and the blood found on scene. Mm-hmm. So they got all that and sent it to the lab, lab for analysis and obviously now they had the technology that would be able to properly examine it and get the information from it. Yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, all of the DNA on the items belonged to Susan. Ah, oh, so fuck it. I know. Yeah. So they obviously were careful enough not to get any of their DNA evidence on any of the equipment. So Balls, again, gloves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, obviously they didn't touch much in the house. And if there was two of them to, you know, yeah. less chance of the killer. Jesus. So they... So, they killed her execution style during the day and didn't leave yeah. any ex- evidence like this is weird yeah, and apparently no one heard the gunshots or saw them yeah. So, yeah this is great i'm loving this he said this is like <laughs> oh, i don't know how juicy it is no i fucking love this <laughs> little okay. straight laced 24 year old poor susan yeah. like yeah. yeah sweet little susan so uh so dna didn't show up any results and then Separate to this, a letter then came from a convicted killer inmate for Susan's best friend, Karen, who we mentioned earlier, who talked to her about her marital problems in the past. Mm. So the letter was directed to Karen's ex-husband, Greg Johnson. So Karen still talked to her ex-husband's mother 
and the mother mailed this letter to Karen. So the bit of backstory for Karen, she married Greg Johnson when she was 18 years old and the marriage was physically abusive and when they had a kid, it got worse. So, yeah, really awful. And by the sounds of it, he was a horrendous man, like just really treated her poorly. So she, she confided in Susan and in the end, Susan helped Karen to leave her abusive husband and helped her to get back on her feet. And eventually Karen left. Karen left the state. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Obviously, she was an amazing friend to help her do that because that it is would such be a scary huge situation. Thing. Yeah, and that's yeah. a scary thing too. Like you, ah, oh man, that's such a big thing. Yeah. So um, Karen eventually ended up leaving the state. So when she got the letter, she saw who it was written by, and it was written by a man called Sherwood Knight, who was currently serving a life sentence in Washington. Wait, that's his real name? <laughs> Apparently, Sherwood Knight. Yeah, I think his parents had bigger aspirations for him. <laughs> I know, rather than being in jail for a life. <laughs> rather than being in jail for a life sentence, I think they were yeah. like, "You'll be an author or a famous playwright." <laughs> and it's like, well, Pat I authored something; it just wasn't like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what you wanted. Susan's living up to her name, but bloody Sherwood. Sherwood, where did right. he go wrong? <laughs> Night Sherwood Knights. Yeah, he's really, um, he's really ballsing that one up. <laughs> uh, so. The letter that he wrote demanded that Karen's ex-husband send him $2,000 immediately with dire consequences if he didn't. Ooh. So the letter then threatened that if the ex-husband didn't give uh, didn't give him the money, he would do time for the secrets that Knight was keeping for him. So Karen, who was the best friend of Susan, then sent this letter to the cold case investigators in the case because she thought, well, this letter has to do with the death of Susan somehow. I'm yeah. not sure, so I'm going to give it to the cold case team. Yeah, like maybe awesome. she thought, I'm going to, I'm not going to say what I think. Yeah, maybe, that's so, probably what happened, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, the investigators then started to look into this guy, Greg Johnson, the piece of shit ex-husband. So he was currently serving time for killing a female victim who had her hands tied behind her back with an electrical cord and then she was shot. Oh, so, fucking hell, Greg. So one plus two, yeah. So nearly all of the elements of the crime he was accused, uh, he was convicted of were identical to Susan's murder. So immediately they suspect uh, Sherwood Knight, the guy who wrote the letter, and also Greg Johnson, the piece of shit ex-boyfriend or ex-husband. Yeah, ex-husband. Yeah. So before they could contact the prison, Sherwood actually reached out to the cold case team. Um, Oh. I'm, I'm not sure whether it was, you know, to negotiate some sort of deal or, you know, what it was. Um. But the, why, the reason he reached out for it to the team was because they had actually earlier in the year put together a project called the Cold Case Cards. So these cards were a normal deck of playing cards, but instead of the drawings like King, Queen, Knight, uh, Jack rather, were they had details. Yeah, I think, about... you're, I think you're thinking of chess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's um, Knight, right? And Rook. Yeah, Knight's and on Bishop. chess and then Jack is on cards. The cards. Yeah. Uh, so they had the details about the cold cases on there. So they'd have the picture of the victim and then like a few like a few lines about the cold case. Oh, so man, they I actually, want them. I know, they're so cool. Oh, One they're so cool. I mean, also awful, but cool. I- interesting, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So they actually distributed these throughout prisons in the hope that someone might come forward with information regarding the victims. Clever motherfuckers. And, they should, yeah, so like, run obvi- a PR firm or a marketing firm or something. <laughs> that <laughs> that is obviously, like, it was effective because, yeah. you know, people probably come forward wanting to negotiate some sort of deal with yeah, the information they have. Definitely incentivize. And she, was, 
Susan was actually the queen of hearts, which is really sweet. Aww, yeah. sweet little Susan. And I'm totally typecasting her. I haven't yeah. even, I don't know what she looks like, but I imagine her as like, as, yeah, poor sweet Susan. Yeah, I don't actually, I, I think she maybe was blonde. Let me see. Um, now I really need to know what she looks like. Editing magic. Yeah, I'm going to open my tablet because <laughs> it doesn't make clicky sounds. <laughs> I've, but that being said, Susan Schultz, um, trying to Google that name. Schwartz. Schwartz. Okay, that's a bit easier. Cool. I can't even spell Susan. <laughs> Is that how you spell it? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, Susan so Schwartz Jewelry, Susan Schwartz FDA, Susan Schwartz Attorney. Just do Susan <laughs> Schwartz Murder. Yeah, that works. But she's, she's exactly what you think she looks like. Sweet, blonde-haired, you know, well-dressed, skinny white girl. Come on, photos, come on. I would very much... Aw, and she was kind of, like, light-haired. Yeah. And blonde. Yeah. So, yeah, you can see she was the, the queen of hearts. Yeah. Which was pretty apt, I think. She looks uh, like she had braces in high school. She looks like that girl. <laughs> that girl. That girl. What are you saying about people who have braces in high school? Did you have braces? I didn't know yeah. you when you had braces. I had braces year nine. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you then. Yeah. <laughs> But boy, do I need them. Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, so the police went and had an interview with him in prison about murder. At this stage, Knight didn't know the police had the letter he had written to Johnson. Mm-hmm. So he, Knight made it clear that the information he had tied Greg Johnson to the murder of Susan. So he explained that on the day she was killed, he was out fishing and when he was done... Greg showed up at the pier to talk to him. So Greg's girlfriend at the time was with him in the passenger seat, just waiting in the car. So Greg, piece of like shit, came do. out. Like you do, yeah. Yeah. So he came out, talked to Knight, said, if the police ask, say that I was with you for the day fishing. And when Knight asked why, Greg said, I killed Sue. So, sorry, my chat. Jesus so, Christ, yeah. He was like... <laughs> Knight then went on to relay the information that Greg had passed... On to him. Oh, wait, sorry. Knight then went on to relay the information that Greg passed on to him in the t- discussion, and in doing so, he provided a lot of details that only the killer would have known. So, made it pretty obvious that, you know, the information was legit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought police... you were going to be like, twist, he did it and he's lying. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's the thing. The police didn't know if Knight was telling the story from the point of view of being a bystander or if he was giving the information as a murderer. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. So to clear that up, they actually went to talk to the girlfriend of Greg who was in the the car on the night when they were talking. So police were suspect of her because the second set of footprints on the carpet were smaller and could have potentially belonged to a female. So when they showed up at the door and questioned her about Greg Johnson, um, they didn't give her any details at as to the stage of the investigation that they're up to. Um, But she was cooperative. She described their time together and she said it was the worst days of her life. Oh, God. Which is really sad. She she was only 17 when she was with him. Oh, what a piece of shit. Yeah. Not her, him, obviously. Yeah. Um, And they had met when he and Karen were separated and Johnson told her that, you know, Susan was responsible for their separation because she was meddling in their marriage, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and so the police listened to her and 
had a chat and then they told her, you know, we found a smaller set of footprints at the scene and then she immediately sort of switched and became uncooperative, refused to give any samples to help the police, just completely clammed up. And they asked if she was there when the crime happened and they could see if she was visibly uncomfortable and upon further questioning, she finally, you know, broke down and told them the whole story. Whoa. So she said she had no idea that it was going to happen when he pulled up in front of Susan's house that morning. So he parked and he got out and told her to wait in the car. He said some people in the house owed him some money and then he returned to the car after going in. He said someone was in the shower and for the ex, well, the girl to get out and help him to you know get some of the stuff and bring it out of the house to the car. So she noticed a woman in the shower and... As she watched, Greg directed her to take the money and other items to the car. And she said that ultimately the ex-girlfriend said she stood in the hallway and watched as Greg murdered Susan. So, oh, God. What a yeah. great fucking date. Oh, as a Jesus. 17-year-old, yeah. Like, so she yeah, said, you're in this fucked relationship with this rough as God. Obviously dude. terrified of him. Yeah. It's yeah. oh, awful. So, there's, yeah. I mean, like, I know she was involved and, like, but there's she's, a lot of sympathy. She's a as well, seventeen, yeah, seventeen is. You're not an young. adult. No. Fuck. No. I mean, I barely felt like an adult in my early twenties. Like. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's seventeen a lot... is just too young. Yeah. No shit. I mean, like, a, a a fully functioning adult will barely be able to cope with this sort of shit. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I can't believe she. Was, ugh, the poor thing was felt so trapped in that situation. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So. Uh, what he ended up doing is he pulled her out of the shower, he pistol whipped her, then tied her up and put her on the ground like the police thought. Then he put the pillow to her head and shoot, shot her twice in the head. Jeez. Mm. And then he apparently he looked up and he saw that the girlfriend was looking and said, this is what you get when you mess with me. Fuck! So you just have to wait until that that dirtbag gets sick of you. That's that's yeah. the kind of dirtbag that one is. You just have to be like, cool. I have to either put you in jail or just wait until you're bored of me. Yeah, I will be as boring as possible. Yeah, Fuck. <laughs> super vanilla. Oh. Um. So after witnessing what he did on the drive back, the guy said, "If you tell anyone what you did, what I did, I'll kill you and your family." Uh-huh. And she, obviously, she believed him. So yeah, that was the reason she that. didn't come forward before yeah. then. So they eventually interviewed Greg Johnson and initially he was cooperative, but when they got into the topic of Susan's death, he switched and became defensive. So they confronted him with the account of the ex-girlfriend. He obviously denied any involvement and refused to talk anymore. But ultimately, more than three decades after her death, the police were able to place Greg Johnson under arrest based on the testimony coupled with the story of Knight. So in 2012, he pled guilty to secondary murder, but never showed any remorse for his actions. And he was convicted and sentenced to 24 years, which is where he remains today. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. I haven't heard this one. I was worried because like it's a Susan Schwartz is like a a pretty vanilla name. So I was like, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, maybe. But there's probably just some other Susan Schwartz. Yeah, but it's yeah. just such an ultimately senseless crime. He, he oh, murdered yeah. a girl for helping, you know, but his for interfering. Wife yeah, like no, he murdered a he murdered a girl because he hated girls. He, he's this is a misogynist. Like yeah, 
just case needed that power. Needed that power. Women are inferior. Women are weaker. They are like, how dare she leave me? How dare that bitch help her leave me? That's awful. Yeah. Um, and so young, twenty four. It's twenty four. Yep. And that new yeah. girlfriend getting wrapped up in it. Oh yeah. God, yeah. she would have been scarred for life. Oh yeah. No, I can't imagine what happened to her after that. Would have been great. No. Um. I mean, at least she escaped him, and his ex wife escaped him. But like, yeah. Poor, yeah, poor Susan, definitely not. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sealed. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have any advice for this week? Um, <laughs> I didn't think of any either. <laughs> no, I do. I do, and now it's oddly relevant. Uh, so, so, my advice for this week um, is support women. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, good. It's, women supporting women. Yeah, women supporting women. Support women. Um, like, when I was younger, there was so much internalized misogyny. Mm. Um, hatred of myself, beating up other women, uh, verbally, not with my fists, but like, <laughs> you know, being like, oh, she hooked up with that person. What is that? Saying just like. Very really... much a culture of like, if there were any sort of competition or a threat, you had to, you know, drag down their reputation. Yeah. And like pitting girls, pitting other girls against each other. We went yeah. to an all girls school and. It, yeah. I personally thought it was better than my time at um, a co-ed school and a public school, mm. but because I felt like, uh, just in my personal experience, having boys around, especially in like a really heteronormative environment all the time, encouraged that sort of behavior. Yeah, that competitiveness. Uh, yeah, of. and when you didn't have that on your everyday, it didn't, it wasn't as prevalent. I'm sure it happened. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm positive it happened, but it. It. It felt to me like it was less present just because men were less present. But I mean, even like as young adults, um, when somebody's relationship falls apart and then maybe they get a new girlfriend, you know, it's not like why. Why attack that new girl? Like she's exactly. got nothing to do with the shit. Well, really, it all comes down to your self-esteem. And obviously, if you're attacking someone else's character, it's because you yourself are not secure and you can't handle your own emotions. Yeah, yeah. And like, also, I feel like there's some stuff in there that kind of has to do with how you view women. Sorry, you're, you're and... cutting out again. Say that again. No, oh, that's okay. Sorry. Um, I also feel like it's got something to do with like just, yeah, internalized misogyny and kind of this idea that... Um, like women out to get other women and they have yeah. to compete against one another um yeah i got a friend that she's still friends with a guy she went she dated for a little while um and his new girlfriend does not like her at all and they're, they're still friends they still talk and they still hang out um it's not an important enough relationship to her that she's like you know really cut up about this fact but he actually invited her to come see his new house and she was like, does, does such and such know? Does your girlfriend know? And he's like, oh, no, she's not home right now. And she's like, okay, obviously that's a bad idea because this yeah, would really upset her. That was the right thing to do. She was like, okay, she was being conscious of this person's feelings, even if this yeah. person hasn't been great to her. She was still like, this will, yeah, this is not the right thing to do. I'm not going to deliberately upset this woman. I'm not in competition with this woman. Just yeah, yeah. Su support each other. Don't attack each other. And the thing is, we're not saying that we hate men too. I think it's an no. important statement to make. Um, we support equality and we have to get past 
the institutionalized barriers that sort of exist like you were saying yeah because yeah it is it's all just stuff that's like societally ingrained in us um it's like we live in a very heteronormative culture we live in a culture that's beginning to defy gender roles more than ever Mm -hmm. um and people don't know how to deal with it (laughs) yeah yeah so like especially when you're younger you just don't know what to do you don't like this girl because she's dating a boy you like so you're gonna dish like you're gonna you're going to bitch about her. You're going to call her names. Like, that girl has, like, done something, not, literally nothing to you except yeah. exist. Yeah. And, and remember, if, if someone is bitching to your face, they 100% bitch about you behind your back. Oh, That's an important uh, life lesson. Yeah, yes, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, just support other women, guys. Yeah, that's a great takeaway, I think. Yeah, that ended up being um, really in... Uh, in check with poor Susan Swartz there. Um, I know. Yeah, we're not saying you'll get killed for supporting other women at all. Yeah. So no. Susan did the right thing. And it's just tragic that's what happened to her. But yeah, just be there for each other, even if you don't know this person. Like, yeah, support women. Support the girl that looks like she's lost in, like, a weird place at night. Like, yes. or being, like, trapped by dudes at a bar or, I don't know. St- like, support yeah. strangers. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And just- it's like, um, Karen and Georgia say in my favorite murder, "Fuck politeness." Yeah, if you think fuck someone's politeness. in trouble, always offer help as long as it's safe for you to do so. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, I think we might end this week here. Um, uh, as we say each week, you know, if you want to email us with any spooky stories you have, cool experiences, questions you might have, our email is covencollectivepod at gmail dot com. Um, and I'll also put up some information about the stories that we've covered tonight, just some pictures and stuff so you guys can have a look and just, you know, follow along with us. And if you want to have a look at our Instagram, it's Coven Collective Pod. So get on there and follow us. Um, and, yeah, if you have any friends that you think might be interested in the show, just share that with them and, yeah, we want to get this ball rolling. Yeah, we have – I have no idea what platforms we're going to be on yet. iTunes is going, so we can't say please give us five stars on iTunes because that shit is not going to – I don't know what format that's going to be in soon. But, I mean, wherever you hear us, just, yeah, share share it around. If you think that um, the stories we told were cool, I don't know, or that maybe you want to be part of this this Coven Collective. Um, Yeah, yeah. we want this to be a project that you guys develop as well, not just us. Yeah, we want this to be a community where you're coming and we want to collect things. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, bye.